Hello, this is Matt Brown, the worship pastor here at Glenelg Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, January 15th, 2023. Hey, everybody. I'm John Vanderveld, the executive pastor at Glenelg Bible Church. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm Alex Goff, and I serve as the lead pastor at Poplar Creek Church in Bartlett, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level Podcast. Good morning. Welcome, Alex. Hello, everybody. So hey. nice to meet you. For the first time yeah. over a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place for, you know, new meetings to take place. Let's record a podcast Jump in together. the deep end. That's right. That's right. That's awesome, dude. And love, love the attire today. This is actually going to be, we didn't tell you guys, this is going to be a Glenella and Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> podcast for yes. all We're gonna four We're going to talk Chiefs. Listeners. I finally have a patna. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wore this for you today. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, I, I'm, I am, I'm loving it. No, tell us, uh, give us a little bit of background on yourself for our listeners. Um, yeah. So um, currently, Glenn Allen um, is. Um, adopting our church as their first multi-site campus. And so I started at Poplar Creek Church uh, one week before COVID hit. And so uh, it's just sort of been a a whirlwind of two years, but I built a friendship with Kelly and John and we dreamed and prayed about what Poplar Creek would look like as their first adopted campus. And after years, after a year and a half of praying and um, fasting and seeking God's will, uh, we're making this happen. Yeah, so it's been, it's awesome. been really cool to see. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome, dude. And now you're here on the podcast. So it's now, almost like official. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, this might as well be the dotted line that we're right, saying. Right. <laughs> I, my mom, we play this game where she always asks for like percentages. Like, what's the percentage that this is actually happening? And last night I said 100%. Yeah, that was my first 100. That's, awesome. that's so good. Yeah. Feeling good. Awesome. And you're married and have two kids? Yes. Yeah. Uh, my uh, wife, Olivia, and we have two kids, my son, Elias, and my daughter, Evangeline. Nice. And if you can see the bags under my eyes, that's because my daughter is three months old, four months old. Yeah, man. You're in it. Yeah. You are in it. I don't miss those days. <laughs> so if my eyes are closed for an extended period of time, it's just because I'm praying. It, you know. But then someday they'll be in high school. And what is totally the they were three months <laughs> totally old. Different. And what is the connection to Kansas City? We're all dying oh, yeah. to know. We're dying I, to know. Yeah. I, I grew up in central <laughs> Missouri. And so um, I I tend to root for all St. Louis teams. And so I was a Rams fan. Um, but we have this philosophy in my house that you never root for LA or New York teams. And so when the Rams went to LA, we're like, all right, we'll, we'll hop across the state. All right then. There you go. I was a fan of the Kansas city chiefs before Patrick Mahomes. Let it be known. I'm not one of those bandwagon jumpers. (laughs) I am. (laughs) You're Texas, Texas tech. You wear weird. Texas. You're from Texas. Oh, that that was. But where did you go? I don't know where you went to college. It, Definitely the, not tech. It wasn't tech, right? <laughs> I don't even know what school you're talking about. <laughs> I went to Texas A&M. A&M. Wait, there's other A&M. schools okay. in Texas besides is that, is A&M. A&M? <laughs> I don't know the the Texas rivalry culture. Is A&M and Tech huge rivals, or is it just like there is? It's just Texas A&M. Any other school doesn't pale in comparison. There's really <laughs> no rivalry. Even UT. Your big rival. One of. I mean, it's. TCU though, right? No, no. Because you have the whole gig and the whole the traditional history is A and M in Texas, which yeah. we refer yeah. to as TU because yes. A and M is the university. Wow. 
Anyway, it's a long story. Um, we should not open that can of worms. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of healthy competition. Yes, there with is. No jealousy no, no, no. or anger. It's not all that different than what you shared. If Anum loses, it, the loss is le- is is like digestible. If Texas also loses, so okay, it's, it's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I get that. Yep, yep. Wow. Yeah. Healthy discussions this morning. <laughs> healthy. You, yeah, you you touched on this a little yeah, bit. A little yeah, a little bit on competition. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, Shall we get into some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All right, first one up. John said that being on mission for God is often dangerous and uncomfortable. I can see that in Paul's day and age, but what about now? Hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, I talked a little bit about um, the physical uh, danger and struggle mm-hmm for Paul and his companions going from the coast off the ship all the way up into Pisidian Antioch. And the text doesn't make a big deal of it, but when you take the text and you combine it with historical information about the area and what was going on politically and, and the, the geography in that day and age, you can see that this wasn't just a, hey, let's just walk over to, you know, hop on the prairie path and walk over to Glen Ellen and <laughs> share Jesus. It was like a I mean, this was a journey. This was a hundred miles, so it took multiple days camping out, um, danger from um, thieves and robbers that were prevalent in that area, political stuff going on. And so, um, yeah, I, I made the the point that, you know, when we're called to do something, often it's not comfortable and easy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we tend to seek comfort in our lives. We want to be comfortable. We want to be safe. We want to be mm-hmm. um, protected and not, not, not go out into things that are um, going to cause us harm. And so, but when God calls us to something, uh, it, can be, it can be dangerous. We need to persevere. Um, it, it takes work, that sort of a thing. And so I also made the connection that, you know, it's, it's not always in today's world, although there are places in in. The, in our country and then around the world where there is physical danger. I mean, yeah. think of those worshiping in closed countries in the Middle East and, mm-hmm. and trying to evangelize. I mean, there is physical harm, China, imprisonment, all those sorts of things. Um, but there can also be a emotional, relational challenge for us mm-hmm. uh, to think about, you know, at a family gathering, <laughs> sharing your faith with a an aunt or uncle who doesn't know, or a sibling or a parent. There's a relational opportunity for relational suffering going across the street to to a neighbor or whatever that that may be. Those are, when God calls us to something or God God moves us through his Holy Spirit to do something, it isn't always comfortable and easy. And it can be multiple layers of discomfort. Um, I was thinking of, of you when I was kind of processing through this. I'm looking at Simone. The, the work that you do in Naomi's house has a lot of struggle, mm-hmm. discomfort, challenge, mm-hmm. not easy work. And you're, you're right here in the suburbs that seem real clean and real nice and everybody's good. But I know you've told me you faced, you have faced some real hard things. So yeah, I, that's for, that is true. Um, I think we face as a staff some hard things walking alongside the women that we are serving. Um, 
it needs to be said that the women themselves are facing incredible challenges just to heal and yeah. feel safe again and yeah. explore their trauma so that they can heal from it. Um, I know we've got some PCC people listening. Do you want to explain what Naomi's house is? Oh, sure. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, Naomi's house is a ministry that's here in DuPage County. We mm -hmm. work with uh, survivors of sexual exploitation. Mm -hmm. And we do that through several different programs, one of them being residential living. So we have women who live in a house for up to you know, 15, 18 months who go through a really comprehensive and trauma-informed program so that they can heal from their experience mm -hmm. of being exploited. Mm -hmm. So it, it's some of the strongest, most amazing, resilient women that yeah. you know our community gets to engage with and interact with. Mm -hmm. But the hard part to that, so as someone who is trying to live on mission and feeling just always that tension of how much of it of my life is to please me, make me comfortable, you know, and balance that with what does it look like to be um, self-forgetting mm -hmm. and sacrificial and yeah. ministry in general, whether it's something as beautiful as a ministry like Naomi's house or pastoral care or whatever it is. Um, I think that's one of the takeaways I... I had from your message, John, was to be on mission for me is a reminder that it isn't about seeking my own comforts yeah. and it isn't about um, fulfilling my own goals or checklists, but it really is to have a posture of being self-forgetting, like I mentioned, and just really loving others unconditionally um, mm -hmm. at, at your own expense yeah. a lot of times or most of the time. So, I like that word self-forgetting. Mm -hmm. I've never used that. I'm gonna Maybe add you it. Should work I'm on gonna it. add it in. <laughs> <laughs> but I think too, Simone, you're going up against some systems and structures yeah. in our country mm -hmm. that deal with the exploitation, the abuse, the sexualization of women. Mm -hmm. In you are taking an axe to the root of the tree of things like pornography mm -hmm. and how men see. And treat women. I'm mm -hmm. broadly yeah, painting wow. when I say Just men. Jumping in. No, but I, I think there's there's real opportunity for you and your team to face persecution. Um, you you sent a text to me a few weeks ago and we're like, we're struggling to find a housing. Yeah. And I thought that's a a systemic mm -hmm. issue. Like that's a that's a that's a cultural rock yeah. that you're pushing where people say, I don't want to house those kind of women yeah. mm -hmm. in my facility. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, man, when we enter into that type of ministry, you're going against a multi-billion dollar industry mm -hmm. in your little part of the mm -hmm. world mm -hmm. in DuPage County, but you're going against this huge thing that says, no, we should treat women this way. Mm -hmm. We should exploit them and use them for sexual benefit mm -hmm. and all these sorts of things. It, we should mm -hmm. expect that yeah. apartments aren't going to become available for rent, and we need a miracle, God. Yeah. yeah, And God provides in that situation. So even in a place like DuPage County and the work mm -hmm. that you're doing, there, there are, there's a major persecution mm -hmm. struggle mm -hmm. that you face. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And yeah. the, the issue with the housing was because a lot of our women have criminal records yeah. that's associated with their exploitation and their yep. trafficking. And so it just makes it, it's very complicated. So I appreciate you huh. touching on that. And something that we talk about as an organization and when we have the opportunity to um, train and educate other people, bring awareness to the issue is this, what we call a culture of tolerance. And I think that's applicable across the board on a lot of issues. So 
the buying and selling of women when you make it so blunt sounds yeah. awful. Who would ever do that? But if there wasn't a, a demand to purchase sex, there certainly wouldn't be a need for supply. And the yeah. fact that we are yeah. at capacity on every program we have shows that the supply um, is out there. Yeah. So to, in the demand, you really, as a culture and as a church, to be the leaders in doing this, we have to address the culture of tolerance. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think it's just about pornography and um, the sexualization of women and girls, but that, that crosses a lot of different topics as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, but going back to the message, there was a lot of a, application to, are we too gray a lot of times? Like there is, Mm. there are some things that are very specific in black and white in (coughs) terms of choosing to pursue righteousness. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple of, uh, in a couple of weeks, we as a church will be going through Acts 16. And one of the things that sticks out to me from that chapter is that there's this woman that um, is a female slave. She has a spirit. She can predict the future. And the culture around this woman has been profiting off of her and abusing her. And when Paul and Silas go and, and free this woman, the culture is upset. Yeah. And what's interesting is that it's it's not just a change in an individual woman, it's also a change in culture and that put them in prison. And, and we see that same thing today that you are not only, when you go forward boldly uh, as a Christ follower, you're not just shaping individual lives, but you're trying to shape cultures yeah. of oppression yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, what you are doing is profoundly biblical, which is cool to see. Yeah. So we all, you work in ministry in some way, shape, or form, right? Three of us literally work for a church. Um, Simone works for a ministry. Uh, so for somebody asking this who they don't, they're not in that. Yeah. Like it's yeah, easy for us point, to right? know that we're on God's mission. Or that we're trying like to daily, be. Like right? daily, we're trying we're, to be. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But, but it's always right in front of our face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd like to just talk about um, the scenario that you brought up with housing because it made me think of like, well, you know, okay, is this, this question... Uh, John said that being on mission for God is often dangerous, uncomfortable. You can see that in Paul's mm-hmm. day and age, but what about now? Well, what if you are, what if you own property here yeah. in DuPage? What if you have the ability to house mm-hmm. these women or in another completely different situation, but something similar with yeah. criminal backgrounds and, and those types of mm-hmm. things? Um, maybe this is your uncomfortable and dangerous. Maybe this is your, like, if you have influence in the situation that Simone and John were just talking about, this could be an area where you mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. can initiate some dangerous and uncomfortable living There's, at the mission of God. It's great, Matt. There's no talent or gift that God cannot use for his kingdom mm-hmm. right now, immediately today. So good. So if you if there's something that you know you're good at or you enjoy or you're passionate about, find somebody or <laughs> enter into a conversation with a pastor or a church or a ministry yep. leader and say, here's what I can do. Yep. You, Absolutely. You can, you can be used by God this morning or this afternoon, whenever you listen to this. I was thinking of a conversation I had with somebody actually at Poplar Creek the other day, and he said, I said, wow, you're good at the, some of the technology stuff here at the church. And he goes, well, I'm an architect and I just like computers and I know how to use computers. And I figured this is a place I could plug in. I'm like, boom. Mm-hmm. Now he's, <laughs> you know, he's got a, a huge part of the ministry up at Poplar Creek yeah. to help people experience church better. And I think of all sorts of little things, mm-hmm. art, music, athletics, mm-hmm. numbers, computers. I mean, there's so many things that... Um, 
our talents and our abilities that God can use to to further his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, just being honest, a lot of times we we don't enter into those into using our gifts for the kingdom of God because we're afraid either we won't have success in it or these aren't the kind of things that we see on the platform mm-hmm. or or whatever it is. And it's like nothing can be further from the truth. I mean... Or we don't want to lose it. Yeah. I mean, right? I'm, I'm thinking through like, okay, what if I did own an apartment building? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, you know what I mean? What if I had a major financial interest yeah. in, and it was feeding my family, yeah. and I engaged in mm-hmm. a talk with another ministry about housing some folks. Right. And I knew that it could be a bad business decision for me. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, that's coming right mm-hmm. up against, yeah, but what's I know. potentially what's the right thing to do? Right. I'm not saying yeah. that is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it could be, and you could be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and in a dangerous position. Mm-hmm. I, think we're, I think what we're saying is that sometimes being on mission includes risk. There's oh. risk involved. And it, I keep thinking about that scripture. It's one of my favorites. Just my justice heart loves it. That Jesus <laughs> left the 99 to go for the one. Mm-hmm. That was risky. Yeah, that, and economically stupid. Yeah. But it's who he is. <laughs> right. And that's why we follow him. Right. And so sometimes you ha- you know, if the Lord is putting something on your heart, in all the examples you just gave, John, to, to hear from the Spirit and re- recognize there could be risk involved, yeah. but the reward um, of, of following and being obedient to Jesus is far, does far outweighs anything that could be quote unquote lost um, and taking that step of faith. Yeah. And this is something that we would love to talk with you about. Like for those of you that are listening, like if you're, if you're struggling with, you know, I, I you know, I don't know where my place is in all of this. We would love to creatively brainstorm with you, sit down and talk about, you know, your gifts, your talents, your, your possessions, how that could be used for the kingdom of God. I love those types of conversations. So I was going to say, it's, it's literally, I, th- I think, one of the largest reasons that people go into pastoral ministry mm-hmm. is because they want to do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, talking from the platform and doing those sorts of things is great, but I know you get, Matt, you get crazy excited when somebody says, hey, I kind of play the guitar and I think I'd like to, you're like, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I want to help you learn more. I want to yeah. help you grow more. I want to get you, le- yep. I want to do whatever it takes. The same, mm-hmm. you know, we yeah. have Alex and other pastors on staff, Amy, uh, lots of people that, Man, the thing that gets them really excited about life and work and ministry is when somebody comes and says, I want to take a step forward in serving yeah. in ministry or in growing so that I can help advance the kingdom. I mean, and sometimes it, those it doesn't, conversations are d- so It doesn't fun. necessarily have to happen at the church. It doesn't have to be something that is in the church building on a Sunday service. Like, if you, if you do have questions, like what Alex was just saying, like, come and talk to somebody, because a lot of times the church is a hub for all kinds of different ministries going around, and the, it's a connection center, and it's a place that you can just ask some questions and potentially get plugged in um, to go and serve somewhere else. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's go to, let's go to the next one. Uh, number two, Kelly said that God is, quote, steering salvation history. John said our salvation, quote, rests with God and God alone. It was his plan, his idea, his choosing. We don't earn our salvation. Does this mean people have no choice in salvation? And if people have no choice in salvation, then why bother sharing our faith at all? It's a great question. <laughs> it's a classic question. <laughs> yeah, we've gone, um, we've spent time going through this question before. It comes yeah. up pretty often um, when we see things in the text. You know, let's just look at Acts 13 for a second. So verse 17, God chose Israel. Verse 18, God led Israel. And, and 
dealt with them. What, what does it say? Uh, he was patient with them for mm-hmm. 40 years or something like that. He, he that got endu- a laugh out of PCC. He, he, endu- he endured them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Acts 19, um, God destroys the nations before them, makes a way for them. Verse 20, God gave Israel judges. Verse 22, God gave them a king. Then he replaced he replaced Saul with David. Verse 23, God, um, God sends Jesus as David's descendant, fulfilling that promise and prophecy that David's, David and his name, his family line will reign on the throne forever. Um, God raises Jesus from the dead. And then there's this verse at uh, verse 48. When we skip ahead a little bit. It says, all who were appointed to eternal life believed. So there's these snapshots and, pic- and pictures all throughout chapter 13. You can't say that God doesn't have a role. I mean, it's just, it's all over. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and you can't, you know, no matter where you fall on the, the spectrum of, um, I mean, the, the, yeah, on election, thanks. Mm-hmm. Election or, um, you know, the two camps, right? There's sort of a Calvinist or Armenian camp where you fall on that spectrum. When you look at something like chapter 13, you see God's, design, God's involvement, God's working, um, mm-hmm. despite the people and, and maybe what their choices um, would be. So could I address the second question about like, why, why bother sharing our faith at all? Yeah. So um, I think it's really helpful to talk about ends and means. Um, the, you know, if the end goal, for instance, is to satisfy my hunger at midnight, the means of me satisfying that hunger is going to my fridge and eating a sandwich. Um, if the end goal of going to a Chiefs game, the means is going to Ticketmaster, StubHub. The end goal of, of God saving his people, what are, what are the means by which he he saves us. And what we see throughout the Bible is that the, the means that which God saves people is through us, through sharing our faith. We see that time and time again throughout the Gospels. And so um, I, I, there's this quote by Spurgeon that I really like, um, why do you preach if you believe in election? And his response was, because the elect don't have yellow stripes down their back. Mm. Basically, what he's saying is that, um, you know, we, we don't know. <laughs> they're not noticeable. Yeah, they're not noticeable. <laughs> they don't stand so, out in a crowd. What you need to do is is proclaim the gospel without discrimination, you know, trusting that God will will use that bold step of faith that you're taking. That is the means by which He saves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's this the other up the top part of that question is: Does this mean we have no choice in salvation? And mm. I would answer the question: Yes, but <laughs> uh, that is correct. You don't have a choice in your salvation, but you actively participate. God is saving. God is choosing. We see it throughout scripture. God is finding, he's choosing, he's drawing, he's bringing uh, to himself. But we participate fully in that. So there's a repentance piece. I was going to ask. There's a repentance piece. Well, you only repent because the Holy Spirit is working in your, in your heart already, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's these... Um, you know, people want to say, what's first, the chicken or the egg? How does this all work? Well, it's always God. It's God. God, God, God. God is working. God is moving. God is calling. God is redeeming. And yet we participate fully in it as well. So we, um, Kelly loves the metaphor of 
of biological birth. birth yeah. <laughs> if we were here, we'd have the chart <laughs> yeah, pulled up. Right. <laughs> if you were, it, you know, and we kind of laugh and, and we when we kid and, and stuff like that. It's helpful. I think. It's very helpful, right? We don't uh, we don't initiate or or perform or create our biological birth, and nor do we our spiritual birth, mm-hmm. and yet we participate in it. There's a participation piece that the child has in in biological birth, and there is as well in spiritual birth, mm-hmm. and and so you know, um, so there is a part, there is a listening, a response, a, a repentance that we that we are a part of, and then a proclamation of what God has done in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I've never heard anybody say. Um, you know, years after they, they've experienced their justification and, and have been walking and following with God, all the things they did, that all, the choi- all the great choices they made, right? I, I just hear over and over again what God has done in their lives. God, God was present, you know, when they heard the gospel the first time. And they may use words like, and I chose God in that moment. And, I, you know, we might dissect that a little bit. But you rarely hear a testimony of someone who's been long in the faith to say, at every turn I chose God. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, what God did. yeah, it's what God mm-hmm. did over and over and over and over and over again. He put this person in my life to tell me this. He put this person, you know, and th- there's often a testimony of repentance or participation or glad I listened, mm-hmm. glad I followed the urge of the Holy Spirit to show up in that you know, yeah. that worship center that night when the gospel was shared and I believed. So, so what, what, explain the dynamic then when somebody is actively resisting, because we see that in the book of Acts, you yeah. know, that there are some people that, you know, it, Paul is preaching and they're like, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. So what's going on there then? Yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, that's where you can get into election. I yeah. mean, I think verse 48 helps us here a little bit. Um, all those who were appointed for mm-hmm. eternal life believed. So we see that there's these, um, uh, those that God has appointed to believe, those that God had made ready to hear the good news. The good news was was shared with them and they believed. Mm-hmm. Um, others maybe weren't appointed then, ever, at that moment. We don't know. Um, we also don't know often the resistance that we see to the gospel in the book of Acts. Well, you know what happened later? Yeah, it's a good you point. Know? Um, so there are people, and we all know people that resist, resist, re- like resisted for years. And then at some point they realize, no, God is calling me home or whatever it is. And they would describe that resistance as, you know, too many other things were t- turned up in their lives besides the, the Holy Spirit or yeah. God's timing. God wanted, God, maybe God wanted to your point earlier, Alex, the person in their life to persevere, mm. mm-hmm. to persevere, to continue to, to go after them and to share with them and to pray with them or for them. And I think this can be encouraging for you as the listener, especially if you have somebody in your life that you have been praying and praying and praying for them to come to the faith and you just feel like you're not seeing any fruit at all that, you know, yeah. sometimes, sometimes it does take time mm-hmm. and, and, the years and years and years of relational commitment um, and your demonstrated faithfulness to God, the years of them seeing that, you know, don't stop praying. Mm-hmm. Don't stop evangelizing. Um, keep praying, keep trusting. Mm-hmm. 
We're going to get it. There's a question, I think, a couple a couple questions ahead that get into a little bit of what you're talking about. Yeah. We'll cover a little bit there. And I just wanted to add, um, <clears throat> if you are struggling with that idea, like why do we evangelize? Why do we, you know, why do we do these things if God is already predestined and elected? Just, man, press into it. There mm -hmm. is, number one, there's a lot of resources on it book-wise, but it's all over in the scriptures where you're, uh, I think at the end of the day, you're going to have to... Um, you're going to ha have to know that you're going to have to live with some sort of contradiction, There's some tension. sort of seeming tension, yeah. contradiction in that, yes, God saves fully. And yes, man is still uh, responsible yes. for right. actions. Well, right. people are still responsible for the decisions that we make. And while that seems like it is a contradiction, um, the Bible teaches both clearly. So we have to hold those two things in. Good. But um, it's worth... Uh, and I, that's not just an out. That's not just a, hey, well, great. I guess God is mysterious. Oh, so well, you know, man, if you start investigating it, I think you'll grow closer to God. Um, you may find a camp that you feel more comfortable in. You know, we, we've, you know uh, we've gone back and forth lots right. of times. The pastoral team here just talking about how that works out. And we all have different, kind of, we land on different places in the spectrum. People mm -hmm. in our church land in different places of our spectrum. But, um, but it's a worthwhile journey, I think. Um, I think mm -hmm. you'll go closer to God. I think your faith will be strengthened yeah. if you if you press into it. It's a great word. I like that. Um, okay, next one. The examples of competition and jealousy that that John gave in his sermon, both in the church and in our community, were all too real for me. <laughs> so, what can be done about it? How do Christians lead the way? Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what you were talking about? Yeah, in your sermon? sure. Yeah this <clears throat> this question came. Uh, I put it in here, but someone said we had a conversation after service where they basically said, <laughs> oh, that, that stung a little, um, what do I do? Kind of a, kind of a thing. So I, I talked a little bit about, um, so there's this, uh, group of Jewish leaders in the synagogue that are in competition with Paul and Barnabas and they heap abuse on them and they contradict them. And then eventually they wind up running them out of the city because of their, the scripture is really clear. They grew jealous. Yeah. They were jealous. And, um, and I, I felt like it was just this opportunity to talk about some of that, that I personally, living and raising kids and going to work and school and doing life in this community, have felt. And I know, because many people come for prayer and counsel on the issue of feeling jealous mm -hmm. of what's going on around them, not being able to compete, not being able to keep up, feeling like everybody's got their life put together and they don't. Like that's been a real thing in our, in our community. So I felt like God was just putting it in front of us a little bit to say, this exists still today. Mm -hmm. you, you, you all are probably more like the Jewish leaders than you want to admit. Well, and social media makes it a hundred oh, times worse. Yeah, I talked a little bit about that on Sunday. But so the, the two things. One, there's, there's, there's uh, competition and jealousy and the, all the sin that comes from that present in the church nationwide. There's competition between churches. There's jealousy. There's fighting. There's backstabbing and lies and all that kind of stuff. But that's also present in our local community. And there's, I can think of two situations where I know both of the church planters well, both left 
local churches to plant churches in the community, and it did not go well. Hmm. Because of the churches they came from were, were in competition, and they were concerned that they were going to lose attendees because of the situation. One of those pastors that went out as a church planter, we bought chairs for them. (laughs) (laughs) So they had chairs that they could worship on. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no sense of competition and there shouldn't be a sense of competition within the body of Mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. When I was uh, doing my undergrad degree, I would go and do supply preaching in really small country churches. And there was... So describe what that is because a lot of people won't know what you meant. Yeah. Um, so basically there are churches that are small enough that they can't afford a pastor and they'll contact uh, like Christian colleges uh, and take freshmen mainly and sophomores to come out and speak. And so I, I was on one of those lists and I went out to this small uh, community in Kansas that only had like one stoplight and it was one main street down the road and there was like 200 people. And on that main street, it was a gas station and six churches. <laughs> and um, I, the church that I was preaching at, there was like 20 people. And I asked them about some of these other churches. And they immediately were like, oh, no, no, we don't talk to them. Yeah. They're awful. It's an, it's but, and, and what's interesting is that, you know, there was no dialogue at all. It was just that competitiveness um, that, you know, you see that jealousy yeah. in, in mm-hmm. verse 48 here. So I made the connection that I think churches behave that way, one, because of our sin, but two, because of the community that we're in, Mm -hmm. that we swim in the American culture, which is competitive, and and often that competitiveness produces jealousy, and the jealousy produces anger and frustration, and and then all the sin that, Mm -hmm. and gross and ugliness Mm -hmm. that... So what do we do? That comes out of it. You know, the first thing I would say is how do Christians lead the way? So how do we, we're not going to change the foundation necessarily of of our society being one that, you know, America is founded on a group of people that left and had to fight and make their own, you know, there's just some things that are rooted so deep in who we are. But I do believe that we can start to cultivate a new way of, of working hard and being diligent and being appropriately competitive and appropriately assertive um, as Christians. So the first thing I would say is one way that we start to undo (laughs) some of the competitiveness and the jealousy is just to be honest and vulnerable about who we are and where we fall short Mm -hmm. and what life is really like for us. When did you start, John? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you have any examples? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't parent my kids the way that I want. Sometimes I lose my temper. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I say things I wish I didn't. Uh, You know, there's all sorts of the things that we can say in our job, in our, you know, sports, in our, you know, I think... I think sometimes there's, uh, let's just talk about kids' sports for a minute, which we want to diminish as it being important in our community. It's a huge deal in our community. Sometimes people just need to be honest about how good or not good their kid is. (laughs) 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 Right? Yeah. Well, they're not on the field because, you know, Timmy's mom is best friends with the coach's you know, wife and da da. It's like, no, maybe they just aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Timmy can't it. walk in a straight line. Yeah, right. I get, I get it. That there are times where things feel unjust and your kid isn't treated well. I get that. But if your kid's really good, they're going to play. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> if their kid's really good, they'll they'll find a way. Um, so I think some of that is just being honest. Mm-hmm. Being honest that our kids aren't as great as we hope they are and think they are. <laughs> and just being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Being honest. This creeps into my world through um, this little thing called mom guilt which I don't yeah, know if, tell us. if your wives feel this way or if they express this to you. Um, well, it's just feeling inadequate. Like I can't do it all and I can't do it all well, or I can't do it all perfectly. And, um, it, for me, it, it's because I work outside the house. And so then I feel like I'm not adequate, adequately volunteering at the school and, um, doing other things that other moms do. And so for me to combat the feelings of inadequacy or jealousy or competition, because the the unhealthy side of me would just say, well, just do more, work harder mm, and yeah. say you can do it right. all. And then before you know it, I'm like just dropping balls left and right. And they actually don't want me to volunteer at the school. <laughs> right? Every time she signs up, they're like, she comes no, late. Yes, exactly. There, there's some truth to that. Oh, bless my heart. Anyway, so how I've combat that is it's just take, it takes a lot of like self-awareness and I am far from of the picture of how to do this well, but I, I, it just takes some self-awareness. There are people I have stopped following on the socials yeah. because it makes me feel like inadequate or it makes you, you're uh, not a healthy comparison. Exactly. Okay. And it, okay. but all the things makes me feel inadequate or it makes me think I should, <laughs> all have, the things. why didn't I think about doing that for oh, my kids? Like that yeah. was such a, a smart craft idea. Like yeah. I've never done a craft with my kids in my life. Like why would I start now? Yeah. But it still, it triggers some of those feelings of feeling competitive or jealous of who I'm not. I just had, sorry, I just had this vision of like you showing up with crafts yeah. and your kids are just like, mom, why are you being weird? I know, totally. I know. I, just, I haven't given up the dream. One day, I still have a five-year-old. One, one, one we of could my, still do crafts. Yeah. You get one free my, ones from the library. One of my, uh, my favorite, favorite thing is when people try to replicate something they saw oh, online. Oh, yeah, like the yeah. failed. Yeah, just explode. yeah. yeah like the, they'll make cookies and then the, yeah. you know, the cookies look horrible oh, or whatever. Too many of those to share. That's true. The, you, yeah. What you're sharing is exactly what I was talking about yeah. without using all yeah. those words. And what you're saying that, um, what do you call it, mom guilt? Yeah. There's the same for... Dads. Dads. And it it may be a little bit different Mm -hmm. just because of how our wiring works. But man, I know guys that they see a car that's purchased or a vacation that gets to go, that they get to take their Mm -hmm. family on, Mm -hmm. the job, the place they work, Mm -hmm. and they go... Salary. Salary. Yeah. And they go, man, all the things that I'm supposed to provide, Mm -hmm. I can't provide in the way that he can. Yeah. And now I'm jealous of him. And now I'm going to tell people that he's a real bad guy. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. not that that happens yeah, all the time, right. but that I know for sure it does. Yeah. It, it does yes. happen. Well, I like how you give this practical advice in your in your notes here about throwing a party for people and celebrating their accomplishments. Yeah, right. I think that's such practical and wise advice. The, the one example I have of that is recognizing when there are people, there are other moms who will step in and say let me help with that pickup or let me help yeah. with this thing, knowing that awesome. I'm working or whatever. And it, like, there's a sense of pride every time I'm like, no, I can do it. I can be there. I can be at two places at once. I can figure this out, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then realizing, no, what a gift that yeah. other moms are filling in those gaps for me when it's not like I'm, I mean, I have a meaningful job. So yeah. it's not, you know, I'm, I'm 
like, look, look at me. I'm justifying it in this moment. No, but, you're great. But do you, I, I just, so, so I don't know. I think elaborate on that. Like how do we celebrate other people and yeah, so situations? I think, um, well, the root of it comes when you have children and one of your children gets something great, something great happens to that child. And the other kids, they go, that's not fair. They won the prize and they got it. And your kids are all like, that's not fair. You know, in our house, it was usually Wyatt who won whatever it was. <laughs> Sometimes it was because he was great. Most of the time, it's because he hung out with people that got it done. Like who read the most books and then got the pizza party. Mm, <laughs> it was yeah, like, dude, come on. <laughs> you know? And he's all going to every that's pizza awesome. party. And, everything. and the other kid, you know, and it, in that moment, it's like, no, let's celebrate what happened for, for Wyatt. Mm. Yeah, you didn't get it, but he did. I think some of that childhood teaching we do, it just manifests it itself totally. when we're adults. Yeah. So when you hear about something great that happens, somebody achieves something or something goes well for somebody or whatever, man, let's yeah. acknowledge it in small group right. or right. and have a, a get together or, or whatever it is and say, man, this is awesome. Look what, what's mm-hmm. going on. And it doesn't always have to be success oriented. Like, you know, Bob got a promotion. Let's have a party for Bob. But there's other things that happen um, yeah. that go on that I think some of it is, is that vulnerability piece. When we celebrate others, we're admitting to one degree or another, it didn't happen to us, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I think that when you feel that little tug in your heart or that prick of whatever, you know, that wasn't me, to, to take to take note of that and take that before the Lord and ask for how do I grow from this? How can I like rid me of these feelings of jealousy Mm -hmm. or competition in an unhealthy way and, and deal with it too, you know, like kind of allow the Lord to grow you in that area. So it's no longer plaguing you. I mean, this will rob you of joy. Mm -hmm. um, If you let some of these feelings manifest themselves, take Mm -hmm. every thought captive for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the, the context of church is, hurts. Isn't it weird? The it's idea weird. that that some folks would leave a church to start a church and that they're... Now, I get it. Maybe it was an ugly split, yeah. right? Yeah. Maybe there was d- division before and then people left and started a church. I, I kind of get it. But I feel like God gave us a word on that earlier in Acts with Gamaliel, right? Like yeah. We talked about this several weeks ago, I think, right. where um, you know the apostles were being persecuted and uh, and somebody from the he was a Pharisee stood up and just said, "Hey guys, look, if if we persecute these guys and they are from God, we're going to be fighting against God. God right? If they're not from God, then it's going to unravel, and right. it's not going right. to you know. I feel like if you're in that church context, that might be a good word to mm-hmm. take in before you. It's it's an interesting dynamic coming from Poplar Creek as a. Um, a smaller campus, yeah. The the jealousy between churches, um, you know, thoughts like that I hear from people within our church of man. Did you see how many people they had for the Christmas Eve service? Yeah. Do you see the programs that they have? Yeah. And and in those conversations, you can see that that jealousy um, pop up a little bit. And I think I think from a church perspective, it's really important to label who the prob- what the problem is and who the enemy is. Um, you know, you, Simone, you were talking about Texas rivalries mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Poplar Creek, we're right down the road from Willow Creek. We both have Creek in our name, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but they're not the enemy. Yeah. And right. the enemy is Satan. The enemy is sin that has ruled yeah. and reigned in this world. And so when we see, you know, a church like Willow Creek have these giant Christmas Eve services, 
maybe internally, uh, it may be externally, throwing a party for them, yeah. celebrating. You know, the kingdom of sin and darkness is is being destroyed over there because of what they're doing. Yeah. And and that's and that's what I love so much about our adoption as churches is that you know we're doing that every single week. We're celebrating wins between both churches because we both have the same enemy and we're both battling the same problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the key in in the church discussion too is. Locking arms with churches that are interested in not in just gathering sheep mm-hmm. from other places, but actually going out and finding the one that's mm-hmm. gone, the lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we can lock arms really powerfully with other churches that are interested and in working to reach the lost in our community. Because we can't fool ourselves that everybody in Wheaton and Glen Ellen is saved and knows Jesus. This is just not true. Mm-hmm. Two thirds don't. Mm-hmm. Two thirds don't attend church. Two thirds don't know Christ. Two, you know, there's plenty of ripe fields to harvest here yep. in our community. And so, if we take that mindset rather than this competitive mindset that, oh, if if you know, they leave our church and go plant another church in our community, well, 150 people from our church are going to leave and go with them. Okay, fine. Well, then there's 150 seats for those right. that don't know Jesus. Right. And let's bring them in. Like, mm-hmm. let's, if the mindset is gospel and mission and going and, and reaching more folks for the gospel, man, that's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. So it's, part of it is a mindset of the church. The, the church is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Here's a, so the next question kind of ties in a little bit uh, to what we're talking about. I loved hearing that it is not our job to be excellent when it all costs, but to be faithful and to be used by God listening to his Holy Spirit. I have felt pressure to win souls for Christ, but that pressure seems to be relieved in what you preached on Sunday. Yeah. Alex, you talked about a little bit about, about this a minute ago. Yeah. Have you, how have, uh, have you felt that pressure ever as a preacher? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a, um, there was a, a quote from a sermon that I listened to in college that I've hung on to. Uh, anytime you feel pressure, you are uh, putting a weight on yourself that only God can carry. Yeah, that's a good word. And this idea of, you know, God is the one that is drawing people to himself. You're, it's really important to to clearly define what your job is and what your job isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, your job is to remain faithful. Your job is to preach the word. You know, in using farming imagery, your job is to plant the seed. Yeah. And that's it, you yeah. know? And when you clearly know what your role is, that that should give you that freedom saying, you know, okay, if, if this seed doesn't grow, that's okay. I was faithful. My mind goes to... Uh, the minor prophets, people like Jeremiah, uh, in, you know, Jeremiah seven twenty seven, God literally looks at Jeremiah and says, when you tell them all this, they will not listen to you. When you call to them, they will not answer. <laughs> Basically God is saying, Hey dude, you're going to plant a lot of seeds and you're not going to have a lot of success, <laughs> but he was faithful. And so in that sense, he was successful. He did his job well. Right. You know, right. It's challenging. Many are called to um, to to teach, to preach, to reach out, and they see nobody, or few, or one, mm-hmm. you know, come come forward or whatever, you know, come to faith, grow as a disciple, and then you have others 
who maybe show up for like a short period of time and they they get a platform somewhere and thousands you know come and you want to be like god what are you you know what are you doing and um a lot of times he's wanting to do something within you exactly you know exactly and yeah the idea of um of true faithfulness faithful in your home Mm-hmm. faithful to your spouse, faithful to your kids, faithful to the church that he's put you in. Um, I'm speaking, you know, pastorally here is that's kind of the context of our conversation, but man, the God honors those, mm-hmm. those things. And it isn't always going to be in the massive number of people that come, but there are, there are other things, mm-hmm. um, other rewards that you, and the, the witness and testimony of, of being faithful in those things. Let's not discredit, you know, people watching your marriage, watching how you raise your kids. I don't know. I think it's okay to, to have an appropriate understanding of your role as a leader, a preacher, a shepherd, and, and letting go of the idea that it somehow depends on you to see salvation. That's a good word. But you can also continue to mourn and, um, eagerly desire people to come to salvation. So yeah. there's, it's like a, it's a balance or a tension. I see it in my own life as um, we have the opportunity at Naomi's house to share the gospel and to pray for the salvation and the heart change of women that we work with, rightfully knowing it's not of me. Mm. But, and, and, and I feel like sometimes if we're, it, Sometimes I, I think of it as if I let go of it's not about me, that it, that it means I also have to stop caring. And that's not what that's we're not saying. True that's at all. not no, true. That's like you good. can have both. You can yes. desire with everything in you, especially if it's like a family member or someone that's close to you that you love dearly, you can rightfully know that it's not of you, that it's only of God that people come to faith. Mm-hmm. He'll use you, but it's not your responsibility. It's not your weight to carry. But that doesn't mean you have to give up the longing for it right. and the just the passion for it um, right. because that will lead to maybe fervent prayer or it will lead to something changing in you or um, some sort of enlightenment of, of something you could say or do differently that God's been trying right. to show you. So I just want to make sure that we're not communicating, admitting that it's not your responsibility doesn't mean you have to submit to this idea of you have to stop yearning for it right. at the same yeah, time. Do you know or, what I mean? Or, and you, you kind of touched on it even, um, bettering ourselves or removing things that might be inhibiting, you know, if it's, um, if I need to work at how I present it, Mm -hmm. or if I need to remove something from my life, that's getting in the way of this person understanding or whatever it may be. Like I can, there's still, um, even though it's out of my hands, I am still involved and I do care deeply. And because I care deeply, I want to get better at presenting the gospel from the platform. Right. I want to get better at understanding what the text says. I want to go to school. I want to learn. I want to draw more out of it. I, and I want to refine my life. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a, a better friend so that all those things testify to, to who God is. And it's not a, I think what you're saying is just because it's out of our hands doesn't mean we get to be lazy or complacent mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Well, it's his, it's his business. I'm on yeah. to the next thing. Or you don't have to dismiss your, your ache for it. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? God created the space for Jeremiah to mourn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. talking with a lot of like 
uh, PCC people um, who, you know, maybe it's a spouse or a kid that has walked away from the Lord or isn't following the Lord, you know, I can tell them, well, you know, it's not your responsibility to save them, but they would look at me mm-hmm. and say, yeah, but it still stinks. Yeah, I still and, care. Yeah, I still mm-hmm. care. And I think mm-hmm. that that yearning, as you said, Simone, mm-hmm. should draw you deeper into prayer, mm-hmm. should draw mm-hmm. you deeper into self-reflection of, you know, are there any barriers that right. are, you know, preventing the gospel from being shared? Yeah. That's good. All right. uh, another conversation that we would love to have with you again. Alex is asking yeah. people to call him. Yeah, call him. <laughs> I, I've got nothing going on this week. Uh, if you, yeah, like if you feel this weight of just, um, I've got this person in my life that I've been praying for, we would love to partner with you in that prayer. Reach out to us. Yeah, I know people who have are riddled with guilt and shame because they feel like they didn't, they haven't done enough to help somebody close to them follow Jesus, you know? And um, because I lived this way, you know, Mm -hmm. as a parent, and now my kids don't follow Jesus, it's my fault or whatever it is. And there's, they're they're, they're riddled with guilt and shame or feel this heaviness as the, especially as they're growing older in life or whatever it may be. I'm pointing at a specific situation, but that's a good word. Mm -hmm. Get prayer. Come talk to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Did you mess up? Absolutely, 100% you yeah, messed up. Right. Did you mess up big time? Absolutely, 100% you messed up big time because you're human. Right. right? Like, yeah. But if you think God can't overcome that, yeah, we're, exactly. kidding our, we're kidding ourselves. Exactly. Um, all right, last one. You talked about not dismissing the truth, God's word, when we are confronted with it. When it comes into our lives, we aren't to dismiss it or scoff at it or wonder about it. Can you give an actual example what you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> People want to know more, John. <laughs> yeah, I get, I, I get what you're saying, but can you make it more specific? Uh, I think the example that that we have in front of us was Paul giving the gospel clear as day to the Jewish believers and the Gentile, those who were following Judaism as Gentiles. And he says, this is it. This is the truth. Don't scoff at it like the prophets of old <laughs> in Jeremiah. Don't scoff at it like they did to the prophets of old. Don't, uh, don't wonder about it. Is this true? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'll take it. Maybe I won't. Um, and, be, and perish, <laughs> the text says. So there's this gospel piece in that. But I think for many of us that are following Christ, we got the gospel piece. We're not scoffing at it. We understand it. But there's other truth that comes to us in, through scripture, through our reading of the word or the presentation of somebody else who says, hey, I see this in your life, but this is what the gospel, this is what, this is what scripture says about what you're doing and how you're living. And we will go, does that really apply to us? Should we really should we really take that into to con, you know consideration with some other things I really like or you know mm. we we don't look at it we don't grab onto it we don't believe it we don't embody it and so a couple of examples this person wants some specific examples one of them is is our sexual ethics yeah so you know scripture says one man one woman married for life that's where you can have sex and we want to say yeah, but I want to know if I have chemistry with this person before we get mm-hmm. married. And so we're going to live together for a little while and probably have sex together and then and we'll know if we're compatible or not. Or, you know, whatever. My, um, I'm, I'm, I have same-sex attraction, so I'm going to, 
I'm going to pursue that, see if that will be satisfying to me, or pornography, or adultery, all sorts of things that Scripture says, that's not how you're supposed to live. We don't take that truth, embody it, believe it, follow it, hold to it. We, we dabble in, in sin and think, well, it doesn't really apply to us. Finance is another one, you know, giving it's away, um, giving giving more, giving it. <laughs> Sorry, microphone. You're, spit, there. you're spitting hot fire, <laughs> man. Been, whoa. Uh, giving till it hurts, giving sacrificially. Um, that's what scripture calls us to. And we say, well, no, really? I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, I think I need to store up for myself a little bit more so that I'm going to be a little bit more comfortable when I'm older or so that my kids are comfortable after I pass away. I don't want to burden them. Or Those are just two examples. Maybe you guys have more. Well, those are some good ones. <laughs> you, you stole the two big ones, John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another way of drawing this out uh, for specifics, I, I heard, and this was a while ago, but somebody say, you know, I hold a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. Hmm. People yeah. don't, newspapers aren't as popular anymore, yeah. but uh, like be looking at culture and saying, okay, where is culture moving and hold that up against the Bible and say, okay, where are where are they disagreeing? And then ask yourself, where are you landing in that disagreement? Because um, I think the temptation when we talk about money and we see people on social media going on these elaborate vacations versus what the Bible says of you know giving away more, we can be tempted in that jealousy, tying back to the last question, to say, no, you know, I want to take a vacation like that person. Um, when maybe God may be calling you to do something different with your wallet. All right. I think that was uh was good good job it's good let's call good it. job everybody that's all the questions we have for you today if you have any further questions comments or concerns don't hesitate text the next level podcast 630-474-6164 our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels answering specific questions about last sunday sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the christian faith We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. So thank you for joining us. And thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. prophecy.